In Southeast Agnet's Ag and Review for the week ending November the 14th, a deadline to submit comments at EPA's proposed waters of the U.S. rule ended this Friday, November 14th. And Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack, who understands growers' concerns about this, has taken the time to pass those concerns along to EPA Administrator Gina McCarthy. The intent was to reassure agriculture that the jurisdiction wasn't going to extend the land grab. It wasn't going to be something that was onerous. It was really something that was designed to provide help and assistance to provide clarity. The folks in the countryside did not interpret it that way. It's a lesson for EPA. And so I have no doubt that this process will have an impact on what EPA's final, final, final decision is going to be. When that's going to happen, I don't know. I think that all of us are concerned about soil health. All of us are concerned about water quality. I think this discussion, unfortunately, has put almost all the spotlight in terms of this rule on agriculture when in fact we're dealing with a much larger set of contributors to the condition of our waters and sometimes that too gets lost in the conversation and I wish that was a more significant point that was made by everyone that agriculture really at the end of the day is a small part of this there are other contributors and those other contributors need to step up in a significant way. So the process of EPA going through all of those comments will begin shortly. Now, while that comment period closed, another one opened this past week as USDA's Ag Marketing Service is now taking comments in the process to create a second producer-funded beef checkoff program. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack had the details of the notice of inquiry posted in the Federal Register this week. And Colin Woodall, Vice President of Government Affairs for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, explains their concerns with the proposal. The fact that the Secretary did publish this notice of inquiry in the Federal Register actually just adds to our resolve to push back on what he is proposing. What he is proposing is a duplicative process, which ultimately is going to waste a lot of producer dollars. What we're going to do is we're going to look at all these questions. are pretty open and general questions about how we as producers feel about the checkoff. We're going to encourage all producers to engage as well if they would like to. But it's important that we send a very clear signal that the checkoff as it stands today, the 185 Act, has an 80% approval rating, is supported by uh, the industry, and we just need to make sure that that continues to work and not have a duplicative process and more government control put in place by the Secretary. Now, when the proposal was first announced, Cattlemen's Groups nationwide responded with a letter urging the Secretary to back off, arguing that USDA's program would give the government too much control. But Secretary Vilsack decided to move forward with it. Unfortunately, it doesn't surprise us because typically when the Secretary makes a decision to do something, he doesn't back down. But it is unfortunate and disappointing because we do have a lot of support from the grassroots producers through the State Cattlemen's Associations and the Federation of State Beef Council that wrote letters to the Secretary making it very very clear that they support the 85 Act over the 96 Act. And also the way it's set up right now through the state beef councils and the Cattlemen's Beef Board, you have to be a producer to be a part of that process. Under what the Secretary is proposing in the 96 Act, you do not necessarily have to be a producer. So you're taking control away from the beef councils, from the federations, from the producers, and more importantly, just consolidating all of that into government control. And that's the last thing we want is more government control or intervention in our business. Woodall says cattle producers can make their thoughts known by taking part in the comment period, which is underway. More importantly, you also need to contact your member of Congress and your two senators and let them know that the secretary meddling into the very successful 85 Checkoff Act is not appropriate, it's not appreciated, and we're going to need their help to push back. Comments will be accepted until December 10th. To do so, just go to regulations.gov. Well, as harvest continues across the southeast, most of the peanuts are in for the year. I had a chance to talk with Jimmy Jones, County Extension Coordinator in Henry County, Alabama, who told me it has been a challenging year. 
this is a peanut crop we probably are not wanting to remember. Uh, very challenging as far as digging the peanuts. Uh, very challenging as far as running the whole scrape and determining when to plow up the peanuts and harvest them. Basically, this year we, we ran a lot of peanut samples, but it haven't been very good due to poor rainfall. But on the other hand, cotton harvest has gone a bit better. We harvested a little bit of cotton in the middle of peanut harvest this year, and that's kind of unusual for us. But those cotton yields were up around uh, 750 pounds and, and, you know, around a bale on some of the early cotton. But now that we're in the midst of uh, cotton, kind of finished up our peanuts, we're starting to get into some better cotton where the rainfall maybe fell a little bit later in the season and finished up the crop. Uh, it's in the two, two and a half bale in places, and then we drop back down where we didn't get some good rainfall to around a bale. So it's it's a little better outlook on cotton uh, than it has been in the peanuts. But overall, Jones says it has been a very challenging year. The farmers are ready to get this one behind us and work on 2015. But, you know, there have been some pluses, Randall. The cotton turning out a little bit better. It, it has made the farmers look up a little bit. In other news, Cindy Zimmerman had a story this week concerning opportunities for women in agriculture. Getting more women involved in all aspects of agriculture was the focus of a recent White House Rural Council leadership meeting headed by Agriculture Deputy Secretary Krista Hardin. How do we really help women not only get involved in agriculture at all levels, production from field to fork, um, but also become leaders and help them feel empowered and know that they have a a seat at the table. Leaders across agriculture came together, corporate, NGOs, production, research, education, communications, everybody kind of came together. The 2012 Census of Agriculture notes that nearly one million women are involved in farming operations, nearly a third of our nation's farmers. But Hardin says one of the biggest obstacles for women taking leadership roles is perception. It's because there are non-traditional roles. It's really just kind of breaking out of a norm that folks have gotten used to and comfortable with. Women don't see themselves as leaders, even though they may be doing all the marketing on their operation, making a lot of decisions and have a lot of ownership. While women have historically been the power behind the plow, Hardin says many, like herself, who grew up on a Georgia peanut farm, are beginning to break down the barriers to serve as role models in leadership positions in the agriculture industry. I'm Cindy Zimmerman, Southeast AgNet. Also this week, the Georgia Cattlemen's Association announced they have named Will Bentley as their new executive vice president. Will has been with GCA since January as the director of association services and has a true love and passion for the cattle industry. He has been handling some of the EVP duties since August and, according to GCA, has handled it extremely well. So congratulations to Will Bentley. And we wrap up this week's podcast with Everett Griner looking at how wild hogs are still rooting farmers out. I had a chance to talk with a professional feral hog hunter recently. I don't think I learned anything I didn't already know. Problem is still there and is still growing. I did learn that all that fresh pork is not wasted. The hunter I spoke with hasn't eaten any fresh pork except what he killed in three years now. He's slowly finding other ways to make it to the table. It's being cooked in more homes than you'd think. But damage these hogs do is still an astounding figure. And the number of hogs still continues to mushroom. They're threatening other forms of wildlife now, like deer and wild turkey. They'll even eat your young trees. You know, I found out that the number of professional hunters is growing, but not as rapidly as their quest. 
You know, it's like the irresistible force meeting the immovable object. No winners. That's AgriView for today, Everett Griner, Southeast Agnet. You can hear those reports and more from this past week on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.